excited that you guys are here. We're beginning a brand new series called Life After Death. And I started prepping this series some time ago. I think of all like the, the death that I've experienced over the last three years, I started the preparation and just the study, the research of the afterlife and what the Bible has to say about that, really not knowing what was going to happen um, last week. And for those of you that were here, I want to thank Pastor Nick for stepping into the pulpit and teaching. Did he do a good job, you guys? Pastor Nick did an amazing job. Thank you to him being ready in season and out of season. My brother had a, um, an aneurysm over uh, on Friday night and um, looked like he was going to be okay. Uh, but on Sunday morning, we got the call that he looked like to be. He was brain dead. And so he actually passed away Sunday afternoon. And it's been a tough three years for us. Those of you that have been here for that long know I've... I've went through a lot of loss. A lot of you, we have gone through a lot of loss. I've lost my, my dad, um, and then my brother, and then my mom, and now my other brother in just the last three years. And um, here's the, the hard truth, you guys, about, and I don't think this is at all accident uh, that we're jumping into this series in this time. It's, it's um, I believe God wants to do a healing work in your life. Here's the hard truth and the reality. Trials do not change who you are. They reveal who you are. And the revelation of my suffering over these last several years have been both painful and beautiful. The trials have revealed to me that I am weak, that I am broken, that I'm not whole, and that I need Jesus. In him, my weakness, in my weakness, his strength is perfected. In him, I am strong. In him, I am whole. In him, I have what it takes. In him, I am more than a conqueror. That is, and I hope that there's a, amen, I hope there's a new perspective of revelation that you'll get, because some of you are here, and you've experienced loss, and you need a new perspective today. You need a heavenly perspective of the grief and your sorrow and this life and loss and what comes after this life. Or maybe like so many Americans, you are afraid of this topic and you shy away from it all together. 43% of Americans are afraid, either afraid or extremely afraid of death and dying. And there's what I would hope to lead you through in this series that you don't need to be. Here's what I... Here's what I know. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. If you believe that there is nothing after this life, then you will live your life amounting to nothing. You will live for nothing, chasing nothing. If you believe that there is nothing, what you believe about eternity, it determines how you're going to live your life today. And here's the reality that I need you guys to see. You don't ever really die. You don't ever really Die. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says it like this, that he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Come on, if you ain't beautiful, it just ain't time yet. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, it just ain't time yet. God, is, God he's got you. It's going to be beautiful, I promise. To you, it already, to him, it already is. Amen, somebody. It's, this, he's made everything beautiful in his time. Look what he says. He has also set eternity inside of every single one of you. Inside of the human heart, I, I, I am 
I'm built this way. I am made this way for eternity. You will live eternally. The question is, where are you going to live? You will live somewhere. So we're going to talk about that in this series. We're going to talk about like, like what happens today. We're going to talk about what happens after you die. Going to answer some of, the, some of the questions or things that you maybe have blocked out of your mind or some things you heard just really biblically. Like what happens after you die? But in this series, we're also going to talk about what's hell like? What is, what's, what's up with that, man? Is that really like fire and brimstone stuff? And is it really like where you go down? Is it like at the core of the earth and lava? And like, what's, what is hell? Is it just like a big party where everyone just parties all the time? All the people that they just, uh, like, what is it? What is this like biblically? What is hell? And what is heaven? What is heaven like? Do we get wings and turn into fat babies and play a harp on a cloud? Is this what happens? Is what is it? What, what is heaven like? And so, so I think that through the scriptures, it doesn't give all of the, the, the you know, answers, but it does clear up a lot of the questions and I believe can, can help you with some of your fears and your anxieties that maybe you have when approaching this topic of life after death. Today, though, what happens? Like, what happens immediately after you die. Let's start. I'm going to let the scripture speak for itself. Is that okay? A lot of Bible today. First Corinthians chapter five is where we're going to start. Y'all okay with the Bible, right? In this church. Amen. 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 Let's go. For we know, this is the apostle Paul speaking, for we know that when the earthly tent we live in, he's talking about this body, because there's eternity living inside of these earthly tent. Like it's just housing the eternity that is inside of it. He says, when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die, and leave the earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. Anyone weary this morning? Anyone like, it's like a progressive thing. It's like we grow more and more weary. The longer you're in this body, the more tired you're going to get, okay? Okay, let's eat good, let's, let's work out, let's do all that stuff, but trust me, it's going down, okay? At some point, at some point in your life, you're on an upward trajectory, and then, I don't know, at some point, it just clicks, and it starts to go, and all you're doing is fighting time and gravity. <laughs> all the eating and the working out is just fighting the gravitational pull. Yeah, I'm sorry, this is just, it's just what happened, like, okay, these, we're going we're gonna to grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on heavenly bodies like new clothing, for we will put on heavenly bodies. Here's what he says. We will not be spirits without bodies. He wants us to know that you're just not going to be ghosts or, or you know, breath wind. You're not, you're not just going to be a spirit without. No, no, you're going to have actual bodies in heaven. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. Someone go, uh Oh, gosh, man. It's, you're going to have those moments, right? Your bones are going to crack when you didn't mean them to crack. It's like every morning I get out of bed now, it's like, pop, 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 pop. I'm like, what is happening <laughs> to my body? We groan and we sigh. You bend over and pick it up, and it's like a chore. You, but it's, it's, not, it's not that we want to die. Look what he says. And get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we just want to put on our new bodies, like, I don't know who wants to die. I don't want my body to die. I just, God, give me my new body. Can I just put my consciousness in a younger guy? Can I just, because I just don't want to, you know, I just don't want to die. I just want the heavenly body. Give me what's, give me that body, man. So that these dying bodies, he says, will be swallowed up by life. So we are always confident. Say always confident. Man, we're going to get some confidence today. We are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, um, we're not at home with the Lord. 
Verse 8 says, yes, we are fully confident. Say it again. I am confident. And we would rather be away from these bodies, for then we would be at home with the Lord. One translation says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So what is our goal then? Knowing that there is, this is the trajectory of all of our life, man. Everyone's going to go the same path. Like, what's our goal then? Whether in this life or the next life, what is the assignment God has for us? Verse 9 tells us, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body in heaven, our goal is to make a bunch of money. Did I get that wrong? Did I get it wrong? So whether we're here or in heaven, our goal is to get the bigger house. Is to get, the, like, like we make it so many things. Here's the goal. Here's what he says. Whether in this body, whether I'm on earth or I'm in heaven, our goal is to please our Father. That's the goal till we live to please the Lord, to please him. We're going to come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 towards the end of this message and finish it. But first, I want us to look at these verses and a whole bunch more to look at what happens right after we die. Because I think if you, if you knew what the Bible said, it takes some of the fear and the mystery out of it. What happens immediately after? Some people think like annihilists believe it's just nothing. Nothing happens. It's just black. It's blank. You're done. Game over. You know, some people believe that. Some people believe you go into some sort of soul sleep or something. You're just, you just go to sleep. And until sometime, some believe maybe Jesus, maybe God wakes you up at some time in the future, the Lord will wake you up. Well, what does the Bible say, though? What happens immediately after we die, okay? There are three things I want to show you in the Bible, three things that happen after this life is over, okay? Y'all ready for it? Three things, three things, three things, three things, three things, three things. There you go, there you go. Three things. Number one, number one, is our physical bodies die. They die. That's what, that's what happens. Our physical body. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us like this. Just as people are destined, let's say those three words out loud, are destined to die once. Yeah, let's pause right there for just a moment. According to recent studies, one out of every one person still dies. 100%. The mortality rate of humanity is still 100%. Percent. We're all going to die at some point. Many people, though, they don't, th- they don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. But that's why we're doing this series, because when you know the truth, listen to me, the truth will set you free. And some of you are bound by the fear of dying because you, have, you do not have the revelation of truth. And this truth should, I'm hoping, like many people fear death, but God doesn't want you to. Jesus came to set us free from the power and the fear of death. In fact, I'm intentionally doing a follow-up series right after this series, okay, where we're going to talk about fear and anxiety and worry and depression called perfect peace. I'm not going to leave you hanging, man. I know this is going to do a lot to you all, okay? And I need, so I'm going to help you all out in the next series. Isaiah tells us, and, and it's not your notes, but Isaiah 26 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed upon you. Did you know that's available even in the crazy, chaotic world that we live in? God can hold you in his peace. You know, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live with anxiety. You don't have to live with that worry and that dread. You don't have to, man. There is a perfect peace that's available to you. We're going to talk about that in this next series. My, my wife, Veronica, she's so funny, man. She, don't like, she doesn't like action movies, um, although I've, I've, uh, she get, I get away with it sometimes. You know, she'll watch them with me and stuff and then just be on her phone most of the time because anything that's like shooting and, and killing and 
you know, winning the day, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. That's what I like, man. I like good against evil, and then, and, and, you know, good wins the day by chopping off everyone's head or something like that. I'm like, all for that. Let's go. And Veronica's like, she don't want none of that. She's like, show me a rom-com. Let's, you know, romantic comedy or a comedy or maybe a little bit of drama, you know, but she's, so, um, but there's the thing. It's so funny. She don't like, like, action movies or blood or death or anything like that, but she loves shark movies. I don't get it. Like, I'm talking about shark movies where, like, limbs are getting torn off, and she's just glued to it, like, like fascinated by it. For some reason, that does not scare her at all. How many grew up in the Jaws era, though? Jaws, 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 Jaws. How many were tormented by older brothers or older sisters? Jaws, Jaws, Jaws. Okay, because I was the younger one, and I watched it, and my brother's tormented me. We would go to the beach very often. My family would go to Pismo. Often we'd go to Pismo. Every time we're in the water, da-na, da-na. I'm like, stop it, stop it. And then we'd, it'd work every time though. Shark, shark. And they'd all swim. And, I, <laughs> and I'm like freaking out. So I actually did some research about shark deaths. For those of you that, that, um, that have a similar you know, post-traumatic stress disorder from your, your, your brothers or your sisters. You are more, look, look, I found this out. You are more likely to die of champagne corks than a shark attack. I hope that gives you some comfort today, like it did me. You're more likely to die from a coconut landing on your head than from a shark attack. You are more likely to die from messy handwriting then a shark, yeah, I don't know, the doctor, have you ever got a doctor who just scribbles his prescription and gives it to you and gets the wrong thing and he's going to kill you, okay? You're more likely to die. Your doctor is more likely to kill you, okay? You're more, check this out, you're more likely to die falling off your toilet than from a shark attack. Come on, some of y'all leaning left on Instagram too long and it goes to sleep and... So, you're, you're more likely to die getting your head stuck in a vending machine than a shark attack. I hope this gives you some comfort, you know what I mean? Because when you know the truth, the truth will set you free, all right? And you need to know the truth that you are, listen, you came from dust and you're gonna return to dust. Every one of us, 100% of us. So he says, just as people are destined to die once and after that, face the judgment. Which that don't sound good, right? That reminds me, that verse reminds me, you're gonna die once and face the judgment. It reminds me of like when, when mom said, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna get it when your dad comes home. Did, you ever, did your mom ever tell you, wait until your dad comes home? Did he tell you that? Because dad never came home to give you grace. Dad never came home and go, look, kid, I know you messed up, but I'm going to let you off the hook this time. No, nah, man, you knew what was going to happen. Dad coming home to kick your butt. That's what's coming. Right, okay? So this, don't, this doesn't feel, like, feel very good. So we have this wrong perception of even those of you that may be even believers here today and you have a biblical view, you have some perspective of this side of it that has fear because of verses like this. Face judgment? Because, you know, you know what you did, okay? And you're like, you don't want dad to come home and kick your butt. So here's what it says. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. Isn't that good news, you guys? He's, that's done. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin. He already did that. He already took care of that. But to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So there is part of this, like, like death thing, this whole, like, yeah, our bodies die. Part of it is bad news. For those who don't have Christ. Part of it is. And here's what I think you need to know about this step of the afterlife when your body, when this tent dies and it gives out. Here's what you need to know. At this point, it's too late to follow Jesus. 
it's too late to decide. I'm going to follow Jesus at this point of the game. Some people try to hold out. Like, I just feel like I need to, I mean, to live some more life. Or, or maybe you think that you have this mindset, like, on my deathbed, I'm going to. Here's the problem with that. You don't know if you're going to have the time. You just don't know. I don't know if you've ever been on your deathbed. I've been on my deathbed before. Um, it's actually how I got this wound that some of you asked me about. I actually mess around and tell people it's a shark attack. It's not. It's staple marks. I'm all, shark attack. No, it wasn't. So if I told you that, I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, this, this, I lost a lot of blood. I hit my tendon, art, like my artery, my nerve. And I actually you know, went out for a little bit, and they had to resuscitate me. And here's the thing, like, like when you're at the end of your life, and this is what a lot of people feel like when, they've, when they're at the end, especially when they're traumatic experience like that, you've lost blood and stuff, your oxygen and your brain, it's not working like you think it's working. And you're not thinking at that time, you know what, I ought to take care of my afterlife. You're just not thinking like that. And so some of you, some people think, like, I just, I got time. You don't. You don't have the time that you think you have. So, so the first thing, the first thing you need to know about this whole life after death thing, what happens after you die, is this body is done. The second thing is this. Number two, our souls separate from our bodies. Now, now while you're on earth in this life, your soul is bonded to the body. There ain't no separate. Like, but at this step of the afterlife, your soul separates. So our physical body stays behind and your soul leaves. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 28, do not be afraid, Jesus says, of those who can kill the body, they can't kill the soul, that eternal part inside of you. Rather, be afraid of the one, live in reverent fear of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay, so here's what, what you need to know about the soul part of you. Like every one of us, we're going to come to that place. We're going to die. We're going to, we're, this body's going to give out. The earthly tent's going to give out. Every one of us, I know you don't like to think about it, but I hope that in this topic today and in our conversation that you can get some peace and truth and freedom within it. The idea, though, is it's going to happen. One day, you're going to have a funeral. They're going to have a funeral for you. They're going to have a funeral for me. And people are going to come up and say words, and they're going to tell jokes, and they're going to share memories, and then there's going to be a, a, some sort of wake or, or, or reception or a gathering, and your family's going to get there, and, and hopefully it'll be a, you know, a, a generations that gather in, in memory of us and, and share and cry and, and support each other. But here's what you need to know about that moment, at that wake or at that little gathering of your family after your funeral. You are never more alive at that moment than your entire earthly life. You are never more alive. Your, your, your eternal soul has now been awakened to real life, to eternal life. See, we are limited in our understanding and in these earthen tents. We are so limited. The Apostle Paul says we, tr we look through in, in, in glasses dimly, but, but then in the afterlife, we shall know fully even as we are fully known. You will never be more alive in that moment than you ever were. John, uh, Jesus explained this in John chapter 11. When, at the death of Lazarus, in the resurrection of Lazarus, he's talking to Mary and he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So what happens to the soul? When the body dies, does it go into a soul sleep until a certain time Jesus wakes you? Here's what we know. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, 
He was hung there with two thieves, one to the right and one to the left of him. Both of these guys were guilty. Both of them needed forgiveness, but only one recognized his need and cries out to Jesus in Luke chapter 23. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answers him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now we'll talk about that. What does that paradise mean? We'll talk about that next week. Okay, but but here's what I want you to know about this paradise. Here's what you need to know. It's better than this life. It's, it's better. Like, that. it's paradise, man. What God has in store for you after this life is better than anything that this life can give you. Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 1. He says, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or I die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even, say it, dying is even, it's better. You got to get Paul's perspective. Paul is saying, look, this is what it means for me. As long as I'm in this earthly tent, as long as I'm on this earth, I'm living for Christ. And when I go beyond this life, it's better. I'm looking forward to something better after this. I'm excited about it. But if I live, here's what he says. Here's the conundrum, the tension. The, ten, the, 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 the tension. I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to be with Christ. Look what he says. Which would be far better for me? Like that's better for me. The afterlife is better for me. What God has for me on the other side of this is better for me. It's better than this life. Man, Paul is wrestling with the tension here. Like I'm just done with all the drama in this life. I'm done with the politics. I'm done with the drama. I'm done with my heartache. I'm done with the sickness. I'm done with loss and grief and crying and tears. It's better in this side. Are you seeing Paul's perspective? You need to get a heavenly perspective, this perspective, that it's better. What God has for you, life after death, is better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Paul is like, man, do I want to go on to the other side. I want to see paradise. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to shed this earthly body that is breaking down. It's better. But I know if I stay, I, it would be better for you because I can love you and care for you and disciple you and pour into you and help you and build you up and equip you and, and, and make a difference in your life and for your legacy and for your generations. I know it's better. But man, can I not wait to take off this temple and be clothed in eternity. Okay, so, so here's what happens right after you die. Your body dies. The second thing is your soul separates from your body. And then number three, write it down. We will all face judgment. We don't like that word, huh? That's not a good, that's, not, that's a bad word in our culture. Even as I said it, I felt it. Like, I felt it just like get rejected in the atmosphere. You guys were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> rejected no judgment for it's just like in our world today it's 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 supposed to be very accepting but we live in the most judgmental time on the face of the earth man i know people that have never even gone to church that quote king james version judge not lest 
you be. When's the last time you said less? You never used less in your life. Lest you be judged. Isn't it crazy that the people that, that actually say that and talk about judgment like that, they're the most judgmental people. They're the people canceling you for your faith or canceling you for what you, what you believe. Um, I, was, I was told that by one of our pastors uh, here at Discovery, he was at the store and talking to one of the workers there, and she was going on to him for some reason about how she teaches her kids to be open to everybody and willing to listen and to explore truth. And they're just kind of, and, and he's like, okay, great, this is an open door. So he asked her, okay, well, what church do you go to? And she goes, oh, no, 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 I'm good there. And she, he goes, no, hold up, hold up. You just, for five minutes here, talked to me about being open and non-judgmental and, and being, exploring truth, but you're not going to be open to, to church or faith. You're not going to be open to this that you tell your kids. And so, so he kind of cornered her. So she's going to be coming to church soon in Jesus' name. First Peter chapter 1, verse 17, look what it says. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray, he doesn't play favorites, you guys. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as, look what he says, as temporary residents. We're not here. We're just passing through, he says. Now, most of us, most of what we talk about, what we think about, what we engage other people about are things of this earth. Think about it. All of your conversations, all of your worries, and all of your thoughts, and all that stuff that you're dealing with all throughout the day, most of the stuff you, you talk about and think about and deal with are earthly matters, when the reality is most of your life is going to be spent in eternity. Don't you think you ought to spend a little bit more time thinking about it, talking about it, preparing for it? See, part of my job is to prepare you for eternity, not just a good life on earth. So if you're going to stand before God one day, uh, it's Part of my job is to prepare you for that. In fact, Romans chapter 14 says it this way. You then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us, every one of us, will give an account of ourselves to God. So here's the question. What does that look like in this stage of like right after we die? Our, you know, body dies, soul separates. Now we, what does that look like when we give an account to, of ourselves to God? What it looks like, and let me go, it, there's, there's two judgments that you immediately will go to. I call it the two question test. You are going to go before two stages of judgments in the afterlife. And you're going to be asked two different questions. Now here's what I'm going to do for you today. I'm going to be like your, your teacher in your, in your classroom that not only gave you the questions, but the answer to the test, okay? I want, you, I want you to prepare for the test that's coming your way. It's coming. We know what's coming. I'm going to show you in the scriptures. It's coming. The questions are coming, and I'm going to even give you the right answer ahead of time, okay, to prepare you to answer that correctly. It's a two-question test, two judgments, the first judgment in, in theology, it's called the great white throne judgment. That's what the Bible calls it, the great white throne judgment. Here is the, the first question at, the, at that great white throne. When, when the body, it gives away and your soul is separated and you go to be absent in the body, to be present with the Lord. And the first thing, listen, you're going to be before a great white throne judgment. Here's the question. Number one going to go something like this. What did you do 
with my son, Jesus? That's going to be the question. So God's going to say, so I sent him on earth to pay for your sins and to pay for the world's sins and because all of the sins of the world are going to have to be paid for. And most people, unfortunately, they're going to pay for their own sins. So hell's not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Please don't think that. I hope you don't think that. Like, you're going to stand before God and, and get judged, and God's like, oh, I'm so mad at you. You're such a disappointment. Banish you to hell. That's not what happens. Please, that's not the right picture of God. Hell is not a place that God sends bad people. Hell is a place that people choose to pay for their own sins. So look, God does not send you there. Look, where you spend eternity is entirely up to you. You get to make the choice. You can either allow Jesus to pay for your sins and accept what he did, or you can pay for them yourself on the white throne. That's the choice. So he's going to go something like this. Hey, all sins have to be paid for, which is horrible thing in the world, one of the most horrible things in the world because they've already been paid for and you just haven't received it. So God's going to say, okay, I sent my son to pay for your sins and it's going to be something like this. I gave his life for you to pay for the thing that you could not pay for. And I did not, I did not ask perfection from you. I didn't ask holiness from you. I didn't ask for some sort of standard from you. I gave his life and what I wanted was your life back. I wanted you to give me your life. That's it. What did you do? with my son, Jesus. Unfortunately, at the great white throne judgment seat, there's going to be a lot of wrong answers. There's going to be a lot of people that probably say they've done a lot of wrong answers. Revelation describes it like this. Everyone's going to be there. Everybody. Revelation chapter 20, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. Everybody was there, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Now notice the plural, books. That is all the record of our life, every thought and every deed. If you want to write down an extra scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 14. It says, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. So the Bible says that there is a record of even the hidden things that never got to light on earth, even the thoughts that we would think, that they are written in some books, and these books are going to be open. And look what it says, though, another book. So it's different, and it's not plural. Another book was open, which is the Lamb's book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done recorded in the books. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, that's what you don't want to happen. You don't want to be judged according to what was written in the books. You want to be judged according to what was written in the book, the Lamb's book of life. Okay, because when that happens, the Bible says that when your name is written in that book from what, because of what Jesus did on the cross, not only is your name written in that book, but all the record of wrong, it is canceled and erased in every book. It is erased and it's not even ended up in heaven. It's not there. 
So here's how it's going to look like. I, play, I, I think of it like this. I'm going to get to heaven one day, and they're going to go, oh, Jason Hannes, welcome, man. We're right on time, right on time, okay? Here, where are you at? Uh, let's get the books. Get the books, guys. And they open the books, and they're going to go, H-A-N, 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 he's not here. Okay, get the book. Let's get the book. They get the Lamb's book, and they open it up. Okay, where is he? Hey, Jason Hannes, your name's here. Come on in, man. That's how I picture it kind of working out, okay? You want to be judged. You don't want them to find the, the books, your name and your thoughts and your deeds and your junk in the books, man. You want your name in the book of life. And when it's written in the book of life, all the record is canceled and erased against you. And this isn't everybody judgment. It's a grace judgment. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't go to church enough. You can't be nice enough. You can't serve enough, give enough, memorize enough. You cannot earn it. It's all what Jesus did. It's all Jesus. And if you'll just give your life to him, he erases all the other books. And for me, they went through a lot of erasers and pages. And then you get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You say, well, Jason, how do I make sure my name's written in the book? That book, man, the book that matters, dude. How do I, how do I know, man? Jesus himself talks about it. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, on judgment day, many will say to me, hey, we did a bunch of Christian things, Jesus. Went to church a lot. Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Like we declared your goodness, God. We cast out demons in your name. We helped people. We made a difference in people's lives. And we performed many miracles in your name. You give me gifts and I was using them. And it was in your name. I gave you credit for that, God. We look like it on the outside. But here replied to me, I never knew you. Like, that's not how you get your name written in the book. It's not about how gifted you are, how much you give, how much you know, what kind of difference you make. That doesn't get your name written in the book, Jesus said, hey, I never knew you. And the, word, the Greek word for new here, know, is gnosko. And it's not know here, it's know here. It's not knowing about, it's, it's knowing. It's, it's not just, I sang songs about it. That's not going to get you there. Jesus has sang songs about you. I went to the building that was dedicated to you. I heard a lot of messages about you. I read a lot of stories about you. I even memorized stories about you. I helped other people get to know you. That doesn't do it. The only answer, can I give you the right answer? Here's the right answer. The only answer that counts at the white throne judgment is this. I loved him personally. He gave his life for me in the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate display of love, and I gave it back. I loved him back, personally. That's the only answer. He was my friend. He was my priority relationship. He was the one I committed my life to. And then, and then, if you answer that correctly, you're invited into heaven. And so for the first judgment, it determines your eternal destiny. But there's a second judgment. After you die, there's two. Two judgments and a two-question test. The second judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is a different kind of judgment because this, this is only for those who are believers. Only those who pass the great white throne get this second judgment. You're like, why do I get two judgments, man? I got in. I'm a, like, that's not, that's not fair. Okay, no, you're thinking of it wrong. The Greek word for this is the bema seat. The judgment seat is the bema seat. 
and it was the borrowed from the Greek Olympics, and uh, where at the end of the race, the judge would sit on the bema seat, and he would give out rewards to the winners. So what's clear about this judgment seat of Christ is it's not a judgment for your sins. Those are already paid for on the cross. The bema seat judgment is for those who have finished the race, and they're due a reward. They're due a prize for running the race. See, you're saved by grace, but you are rewarded for works. Okay, so here's the second question. It's going to go something like this. I don't know exactly how, but it'll, it'll sound something like this. First question is like, hey, what'd you do with my son Jesus? Second question is, what did you do with what I gave you? Because I gave you some stuff. I, I, I deposited some things. I gave you to steward some. What did you do? So now I, again, have the responsibilities, your pastor, to make sure that you're able to answer this question well. Because when you're invited into heaven, let's finish this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's go back to that. And now, because now he starts to talk about this judgment, part of the afterlife. In verse 10, he says, for we must all, and the all here is all Christians, all believers. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, a different judgment that each one may receive what is due him. What do you mean? I'm going to get something at this point? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, what's used here is the, is the, the Greek word uh, apodidomai. And apodidomai means, it's, it means to pay back for something given. So God, like, God wants to, Jesus wants to pay you back and reward you for what you, how you lived your life, for the things you've done while in the body, whether good or bad. God just wants to bless you. Do you know that your God is a blesser? Like he is a God that wants to reward and bless. In Matthew chapter 16, it says for the son of man, like he can't even wait to reward you. It says when the son of man is going to come in his father's glory, when he comes back to get us, you guys, it says he's going to reward each person according to what he's done. Like his rewards are coming with him. And so this is why some people get confused because some verses talk about grace and like it's free and it's all Jesus. But then the, there's these other verses that talk about works and how we live our life matters. So which one is it? The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's both, not for heaven. You can't earn heaven. That's all Jesus. It's all what he did. But once you're in heaven, how you lived your life matters. And the right answer, you'll want to be able to say something like this. Oh, he gave his life to me, so I gave my life away. The right answer to what, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave it away. I lived my life in such a way that I realized my life wasn't about my life. What will you be judged on? God has given you some things. He's given you time. He's given you gifts. He's given you resources. He's given you hope. What did you do with what I gave you? The Bible says in this judgment, we're going to be judged or rewarded by how we treat people. Do you know that matters? God's going to judge or reward us by how we treat people. God is going to judge. The Bible says God is going to judge or reward us on the words that we speak. Every word, every single word that you speak, you will be judged or rewarded in heaven. We'll be judged or rewarded by how we use our money and how we use our resources. We're going to be rewarded or judged on how we endure suffering, trials, temptation, and difficulty. We're going to be rewarded or judged on how we shared Christ with other people in the hope that we have of eternity. Our life is a mist. It's a vapor, the Bible says. It's like, it's like here today and, and God tomorrow. And we think we, have, we think we have time. Here's the mistake that a lot of people make. And 
I have even seen myself make this mistake that I'm trying to correct. Here's the mistake. Don't get, don't get caught here. The mistake is this. Like the, some of us think the longer I live my life with Jesus and the longer I'm walking with Jesus, the easier it'll be to live for eternity and to live kingdom-minded. And I mean, kind of makes sense, but, but what I, I undervalued and underappreciated the opposite effect that was actually happening the longer I'm here. Because the longer I'm on this earth, the deeper my roots go in this earth. And there are things, I am too concerned and can get too concerned with the things of this earth. I can allow myself to get too distracted by the things of this earth. I can allow the things of this earth to bring me way too much comfort. I can't. I can get real comfortable. The longer I'm here, the easier it is, man. The more comfortable I can get, the more complacent that I can get, the more indifferent I can get. So with everything within me and with everything within us, listen to me, we got to fight the, the, the pull of gravity to this world. What used to take me 10 or 15 minutes to pray and recenter myself, now it takes me a lot longer. I actually, it's not like it's easier. It takes longer now, the longer I've been on this earth. Now it takes longer for me to get recentered. I need more times throughout my year, my calendar year, where I would usually separate time for reflection and processing and, and vision. I actually need more margin now than I ever have. You know why? Because my roots are growing deeper to this world the longer I'm here. It's like, you know, the maps on your phone, right? How many of you use maps? I'm terrible with directions. I use maps to go everywhere. And I'll get like, my wife laughs at me because like it'll be telling me to turn like two turns, and I get anxious, and I'll turn really early. I'm like, it's said to turn. I was up there, and I'm all turning, and, like, and I'll turn on this road, and, and then it'll like freak out, and it's all recalculating, recalculating. And that's what we need. I think we need that, right? That's what we need, because we're following God, and we're doing a great job, and then all of a sudden, ah, we get distracted. Oh, we get comfortable. Oh, we get complacent. Just easy. It's easy. The longer we're here, the more opportunities we're going to have. We just drift, and, and, and you need these recalculating moments. You need to recenter yourself. So what do I do? I, I, I give until I'm more, until I'm uncomfortable to fight it. I give until, it, it, like uh, trusting the things of this world, it feels so good, and we gotta break that, that by giving sacrificially. I pray for longer than feels normal. And when someone comes to mind, I'll pray for that. But longer than this is normal, no, no, I'll, pray, I'll go further. I'm gonna pray a little more. I'm gonna study, I'm gonna read my words just a little bit more. You know why? Because it recenters me. It recalculates me, and I need just a little bit more now that I've been through some stuff, and i suffered some stuff, and I've become comfortable by stuff, and this world that I've lived in for so long, I'm getting comfortable with things, and so I need to act, I need more recalculating, more recentering, so I fight it, Jesus, whether in the body or not, my goal is to please you, is to please you, and if you find yourself today where you're more concerned with the things of this world, whatever it is, you know, football, Sports, relationships, money, the next vacation, the promotion, the, the new house, the new car, popularity, whatever it is, whatever it is, listen to me, cut the roots from this world, cut the roots up of everything that does not last and does not matter and fix your eyes because every one of us, listen, every, there's going to come a day where you're going to breathe your last breath and your heart will stop beating. And at that point, there's no do-overs. There's none. And I, I can only imagine, and I can't really even fathom, 
what that's going to be like in the presence of our, of our Lord and Savior. To be standing before his glory. In fact, the Bible says that we're going to be kneeling. And I don't think it's, it's forced. I think it's like we're not even going to be able to stand. I think we're going to drop. We're just going to drop in the presence of his glory. And, and here's what I want to be able to say, uh, what I want God to say over your life. In Matthew 25, 23, this is my hope, my prayer constantly for you. I want God to say, Jesus, to speak over you on that day when your body gives out and your soul separates and you stand before God. I want you to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You made a difference in those kids, in those kids' lives when you were serving in kids' ministry. You made a difference in their lives. You prayed and you prayed and you were the brightest light in your office. No one saw it, but when you made, when you gave, no, hey, I saw it. I, I was watching. You didn't have much, but you gave. You gave food to the hungry and water to the thirsty. You visited. He's going to go, you visited me. You did that to me. You prayed for me. You, you blessed me. The least of you did it for these, you did it for me. Come, come and enjoy your master's happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's my hope, that we would demystify life after death and that we would see it differently. And today and in this series, I hope to go on a journey with you over these next few weeks that we can look at these things rightly, that we would not be bound by fear, by falsehood, but allow the truth to set us free. Can I pray that over you? Every head bow and every eye closed over this. God, 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 oh, forgive me, Lord, for getting so comfortable in this world, for putting my roots so deep into the things for getting comfortable and complacent. God, forgive me. Today, God, I'm cutting the ties and the roots and help me, Lord, to, to live my life in such a way that is looking towards eternity that I want to be afraid of it and block myself out and put all my eggs in the basket of, of earth. God, help me live my life in light of eternity. That This tent that you've given me, the earth, earthly tent, one day we'll breathe this last, and I'm going on to a better place. Remove my fear. Remove my worry. Remove my doubt. 